everybody, welcome back to The Hustle, it's John Lamoureux. This week's guest burst onto the music scene in about as grandiose a way as someone possibly could when she duetted with Meatloaf on this classic, Paradise by the Dashboard Light, off the mega album 1977's Bad Outta Hell. Let's listen to her big moment right here. She is singer and actress Ellen Foley. Now, this big historic moment right here got her her record deal. She put out three albums, and each one had, like, Hall of Fame talent working behind the boards on those albums. The first one was 1979's Night Out, and it was produced by Mott the Hoople's Ian Hunter and Mick Ronson from Bowie's Spiders from Mars. And it sounds like the kind of stuff they would have been doing at the time. It's really excellent. Her second album is called Spirit of St. Louis, and it came out in 1981. And it was largely written and produced by Mick Jones, her then boyfriend, and Joe Strummer of The Clash, if you can believe that. That album came out during their kind of more experimental period. I don't think a lot of it works that well. It's okay. It's more something of interest if you're a huge Clash fan, which I am. Then the third album comes out in 1983 called Another Breath. And that one is produced by Vinnie Poncia, who had just done Kiss albums like Dynasty and Unmasked. And it features contributions from future legends like Desmond Child and Glenn Ballard. Unfortunately, none of those albums really put her over the top into like pop stardom. So she kind of gave up on her singing career. She sort of had enough by that point. So she pivoted to acting. And you may remember her, if you don't know who she is now, if you Google image her, you'll probably recognize her. She was in the first season of Night Court. Remember that show? She was also in some of the biggest movies of the decade. She was in Tootsie, she was in Fatal Attraction, she was in Cocktail. Well, she ended up getting married in the late 80s, and she basically just walked away, kind of retired, understandably, to be a wife and a mom. And these days, she really only does what she wants, when she wants. She put out a fourth album a couple of years ago called About Time, and that's really it. And she enjoys it that way. In fact, I was sure that she would be just chock full with some of the juiciest stories I've ever heard. But in fact, she's a really unaffected, you know, normal, logical woman. Uh, she's a very normal person these days. It's kind of interesting. So I thought this would be a really interesting insight into some of the hottest music at some of the hottest time by somebody who was there, who was around some of the biggest names in the business doing her thing. She called me from basically her country home, I believe, in like upstate New York. For starters, I wanted to kick it off because, you know, not knowing 
I don't know a ton about you, but I feel in a way that I've sort of grown up with you because to me, you're always the woman from Night Court. And, uh, oh, yeah? It was only, yeah, because <laughs> I'm 43. Okay. I'm 43, and so that would have been right in my kind of the height of me starting to pay attention. And whereas your musical career was a little, I was a little young for that. Yes, But it right. was later that I started to piece together that you had this rich, deep history that went back. And now the older I get, the more, uh, I'm just a gigantic music head, and you are tied to so many of my favorite musicians and artists, whether that be your own music or your collaborators or the people you've worked with or whatever. Just briefly, I want to kind of go back, because I have this impression that you may have been, even from a young age, one of those very ambitiously theatrical kids, whether that be singing or acting or dancing or whatever, performance was in your blood from a young age. Am, am I off base there? Or is no, that no, true? you're absolutely right. I yeah. think the first times I remember performing was probably when the, the first Barbara Streisand record came out. Oh, and, really? And, yeah, and I would, you know, I didn't lip sync, but I would just, I would sing along with her, and, you know, I was, I was, I was a little bit obsessed, and I would... Uh-huh. You know, I would sing with her, and then I would say that, you know, my two other early influences were Mick Jagger and Barbara Cook the, in The Music Man. There was this great voice. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I would sing with these people, and it, and then, you know, and started doing the plays and did some, you know, children's theater. But the thing about me, though, was that, my mother would always want me to perform in front of her friends mm-hmm. and sing for people, but I would never do it. That scared me so much. Really? Yeah, I think that's even, you know, to a lot of performers who we can get up there and, and, and if there's an audience that, you know, that's anonymous that you can't really see, you feel, you feel very free. But if you're in somebody's living room, and your yeah. own living room, and people are looking at you and... Right. prodding you along, it's, yeah. uh, it's very uncomfortable. So, yeah, but, um, sometimes it's easier to sing in front of 20,000 than it is in front of two, yes. right? And I, I always had the, you know, going on in um, through my career, I never want to know who's in the audience because yeah. if I put names to our faces or, or people who I know, if how judgmental they are or, mm-hmm. you know, even if, if they're not, I... I never want to know who's there because then it takes sure. you out of out of your own head and uh, yeah. and and the job you're trying to do. Yeah, I agree. Now, I thought it was really interesting on your on your website. It refers to your voice as being bone shivering at times, which okay. I thought was a really well. That's what it says. I hope you're okay with that because that's off your website. No, I, it's fine. A, I don't know. It's, I don't know. You know that I. I have no idea who who created that quote or who. Oh, really? <laughs> it sounds like something Jim Steinman would say, but maybe yeah, probably. Just, maybe it was just somebody who. A lot of people try to try to talk and act like Jim Steinman. I've noticed, so it might have been one of them. Or it oh, interesting. Been yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. it says uh, Ellen Foley's strong, passionate, and at times bone shivering voice. That was kind of an apt description because, like I said, it was so it's so theatrical. So I'm inv- I'm envisioning somebody. I mean, you're basically like the female equivalent of Meatloaf, which is apropos of you having worked with him. But yes, I'm guessing yes. you're the per- you're this person who's the lead in the school musicals 
and you move to New York and you want to be on Broadway or something, give me an opportunity somewhere and I'm going to take advantage and perform. Yes. Is that I, kind of how you I were? Did, I, did the, uh, I did the school musicals and then mm-hmm. I went to college, you know, studied theater. I only went to college for a couple of years, though, and, and you know, had a rock and roll band in college. You know, day after I was 21, got on the, uh, I, I, I had a boyfriend who was a New Yorker, actually, and we drove a truck with all our belongings to New York, mm. and I think I told my mother I was just going to stay for the summer, but um, uh-huh. whatever it is, 45 years later, I'm, yeah. I'm still I'm still here. It, it, it's always been a little schizophrenic or, or, or multiple personality in my career, really? because I came here... And I was studying acting, but I had this, this same band that that I was working mm-hmm. with, people that I met. I'm from St. Louis. Mm-hmm. We went to a school named Webster College. And people I met there and doing a band, we had a band called Big Jive, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was all these people from college plus my boyfriend. So, you know, I, it, it was all sort of going on at the same time. Paradise by the Dashboard Light is your first big break, I assume, right? Mm-hmm. I mean. Maybe oh, there yeah. were littler breaks, but that was the one that broke it open wide. I can't remember. How did you get connected up with me and Jim Steinman in the first place? We were touring in uh, the National Lampoon show. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was a show that, you know, it's, it's different sketches. I don't I don't know if you ever saw any of the uh, the Lampoon Lemmings or any of these shows. Well, I remember that, them. They were a little before right, my time. Right, exactly. Well, in the 70s. All these people who went on to do Saturday Night Live, you know, Bill Murray, yep. John Belushi, Chevy Chase, were in these Lampoon shows, yeah. one with Paul Lemmings, and then there was one that was called the National Lampoon Show, and, and mm-hmm. Belushi was in it, and Gilda Radner in New York, and then they cast it uh, with Meatloaf and myself, and a girl named Mimi Kennedy, who's done a lot of TV, mm-hmm. and we did it on the road, and we traveled across America. I mean, it, it, what you'll do when you're young, it's like this, the thought of this is so horrifying to me right now. We traveled, <laughs> to, you know, all the way. We went to the, I remember being in Nebraska, which is probably one of the more depressing days in my life. Sure. Not, not not to in, in, insult people from Nebraska. I mean, it's no, I got Johnny it. Carson and uh, who's the millionaire, multimillionaire who's from Nebraska? Uh, Warren Buffett. And Warren, Warren Buffett. Buffett. I, you know, yep. they, they probably had a great time there, but I find it to be really <laughs> Uh, it's sad but so we uh yeah yeah and and we did that and in the meantime well the reason and jim steinman came along to be the musical director and which Mm. meant he he was the only one there wasn't a band there wasn't anything there was just piano so he came along when he was cast in it to continue writing the songs because they had he had started writing the songs and and uh developing the concept of an album for meatloaf Mm. So you know, we, he he heard me sing, and you know, I guess yeah. he thought it was bone shivering or whatever. Okay. And uh, <laughs> well, you would have the perfect Steinman voice, I would well, think, yeah. right? You know, I mean that that's that's it was so fantastic to to hook up with Jim and to have somebody like that be a a fan of yours and a supporter and a you know oh, yeah. a friend a friend all these years. He wrote Paradise while we were on the road. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and, um, I thought so. I mean, what yeah. a perfect launching pad for you, right? To be seen 
globally in the exact perfect light that showcases what you've got to offer, I think. I was able to skip so many steps because of it. Yeah, that's it. In yes. terms of, well said. Of, of then getting a record deal. I mean, yeah. right after that. That's the only thing I had ever done, you know, on sure. record. But I guess it was enough. <laughs> it was so impactful. So, yeah. I mean, i got to ask, how bummed are you that you didn't show up to be in the video? Or do you even care? Um, you know, I don't care at this point. Uh, <laughs> it, it wasn't, you know, I could have been in it. it, it I, I, I declined to go on the road. Oh, really? I thought maybe you were busy or so. And I mean, no. who knew at the time, right? I mean, it was just yeah. some no, gig I mean, and you the, may have right been, may have overslept. Out, but. I, I had, I was doing so many things and, you know, sure. I didn't want to go, go on the road. And uh, okay. Carla did it. I mean, Carla is fantastic and she's, I've got, I've gotten to sort of really know her the last couple of years, and she's she's a great woman. So yeah, I mean, you know, it sucked that that people thought that that was her singing it. I mean, what yeah. can I say? But like I yeah. said, it was it was the choice I made. Who knew at the time? You know, yeah, exactly. I was watching that video yesterday again. I mean, I've seen it a million times, but it's been viewed almost 10 million times on YouTube. And I just thought, well, you know, yeah. who knew? Of course, no one knew. But that's okay. No. I mean, you came away with the. So that's what launched your record deal. And at the time, I mean, are you still. Again, I'm, maybe I'm projecting, but I'm envisioning you sort of being like, do I become an actress or a singer? I'm going to go wherever the opportunity Well, I tell you, right, right now, I've sort of decided that I'm going to go where I do the thing best, which is yeah, okay. singing rock and roll, because I have, yeah. I think, a unique instrument for rock and roll, as, not sure. as just as a singer, but as a performer. And, and I haven't done theater or, you know, haven't done Broadway for, a, you know, a long time, and there are people who have been doing it. And, uh-huh. and I say there are people... Who can do it better than me? So I don't, you know, and I'm yeah. too lazy. It's it's way too much work. I can imagine. It's way too friggin' much work, man. And yeah. you know, because uh, when I, I mean, I I have been doing some performing, but it's but it's more. It's not like this constant pounding sure. work sure. that you have to do when you're uh, doing Broadway. Or, yeah. You know, film film is another thing, but you know, I just. I don't, I don't feel like going out and auditioning, you know. Somebody yeah, wants me to do something, fine. But in the meantime, you know, I've been doing the music, and I, I, you know, I'm feeling really good about it. Good. Well, and you've been around. I mean, you've got a 40-year track record now. So it's like you, yeah. and by now people should know what Ellen Foley has to offer. You either want right. it or you, right? And yeah. if they don't, which happens a lot, you know, mm-hmm. not a lot. I mean, it would happen if I was out there. You get yeah. these casting directors of twenty or thirty, and I'd be like, no, yeah. no thanks, screw it. Yeah. I don't. I just don't. I can't don't put myself you. up for that kind of. Yeah, I don't blame scrutiny or or you know the thing. Well, it's not even the scrutiny. It's it's what I I put myself through if I have to be thrown in with that kind of thing. You know that yeah. Yeah. the abject terror that that comes along with thinking, how can I go out? And audition. Yeah. At, at one point, I, you know, it was like water off a duck's back when I was back there and I did one thing after another in all these different mediums. And it was nothing, but, you know, it's just like yeah. anything. You know, if yeah. you don't do it, you don't feel yeah, comfortable. Yeah, especially now. 
you just enjoy your life, yeah. I do. So, you know, I'm I'm up here good. right now in my house in the country. I'm I'm in my bed. My dog is sitting next to me. You know, I'm talking to you. Looking at what's looking better than that? Vista, looking at the vista before me. Yeah. Oh, That's what's better than that? Very Nothing. nice. Yeah. Good. So let's okay. So I want to talk about your music career because your albums are kind of amazing and really interesting, and. You, again, this is probably another one of those situations where you probably had no idea at the time that you were collaborating with, or maybe you did, collaborating with people who were like legends. One thing I've noticed, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like your music career, your albums are very much a product of what the producer of that album, what direction they wanted to go. Does that make sense? Mm, so, like, Yeah. Yeah. Because Night Out, you know, produced by Ian Hunter and Mick Ronson's in there. And Mick Ronson, yeah. Yep. And I love them. And I love the music that they were making at that time. I recently discovered his uh, Never Alone with the Schizophrenic album that you sang. Right. That sound, that late 70s kind of glam alternative sound that he was doing, you're perfectly, he just kind of puts you right in there into his style and it sounds great. Mm -hmm. And then Spirit of St. Louis, and now you're sort of subjected to Mick Jones and Joe Strummer of The Clash and their creative whims and experiences. And that one's very different. And then Another Breath comes out. And did Vinnie Poncia... Uh, produced that one? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he's coming off Kiss, and, I mean, just these three legends, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Did you have any idea at the time that you were collaborating with these legends? Well, sure. I mean, I know who they were. I mean, I didn't wake up one day, and, and I was in the studio with these strangers. What do you think? Well, no, I know, but, you know, when you sang with Meatloaf, he wasn't, Capital M Meatloaf. No, he wasn't, he was, but Ian, Ian Hunter, you know, was, yeah. was off Mata Hoople, and of course, and yeah. then Ronson was the ultimate, you know, even though in person he was a really, you know, sweet, some humble guy from Hull, uh -huh. you know, Northern England yeah. kind of guy, you know, 
he was the ultimate, you know, guitar rock god with Bowie uh, kneeling at his feet, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So, sure, yeah. I mean, I know what you're saying about the sound, but I, I wouldn't say that that I was I was completely, you know, over-powered okay. by these people or anything like that. No, I, no. Especially on, I, on, on the first record. I mean, that, okay. that was really the product of me working for a very long time finding songs, you know, that was that was pretty mm. much a, a solitary exercise and then Oh interesting. And, and okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I you know, all the, those songs were, you know, a product of me, you know, taking yeah. a lot of time because when you have a first album Sure. The build up to it world, is, right? is longer, yeah. of course. Yeah. And, you know, finding songs and, and then hooking up with a guy named, you know, Fred Goodman and we wrote mm. and we wrote the song We Belong to the Night, which mm-hmm. You know, it was the number one song in yeah, in parts of Europe. That's why I still go over and I perform in Belgium and Holland because there's still a lot of you know a lot of fans yeah. over there and a lot of interest from you know from that that first record really and yeah. I, I I I feel the first record is most successful because I think it's a direct progression a sensible mm-hmm. progression from from the Simon stuff from the Meatloaf yeah, stuff because I agree. it's it's that you know the the sixties seventies well it was the seventies oh shit uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> the big sound you know the yeah. the wall of sound you know sure. very emotional I was like the chick in the room I mean one thing uh-huh. that pissed me off and I I tried to 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 fight it but I had you know too much resistance was that. I would. I really wanted to be in the room when it was being mixed, when the vocals were being mm-hmm. mixed. But Ian kind of dismissed me a little bit. Oh, really? The truth. And oh. I think some of the. I think some of the vocals could have been more present. There could huh. have been, you know, probably maybe less less echo. You know, I think. Okay. I think 
I think uh, I thought at the time, but then when you go back and listen to it, you're like, wow, that chicken thing. But I, I love that. That's my favorite of your four albums, by the way. Night yeah, Out. I like yeah, it a lot. Me too. Me too. Yeah. I've always really liked the um, Graham Parker cover, Thunder right, and Rain. Thunder and Rain. probably pretty emblematic of the whole thing because it's sure. you know you know I, I always thought it was like the the uh the scene uh, uh in King Lear when you could picture you know the storm where he's driven mad you know uh, yes so you know <laughs> in yeah. other words a little bit dramatic yeah yeah nice well perfect for you you sang my legionnaire I mean that is on your second album that's like one of the most dramatic theatrical performances in a typically pop or rock album that I can think of. I mean, those were heady times for you. I would imagine you're, you've got, you're gone, you've gone from moving with your boyfriend on a whim to New York, to suddenly being in like the epicenter of some really exciting music with some really famous legendary people. And you're right there, you know? Yeah. I mean, are you aware of this as it's going on? Are you just thinking, I can't believe this is my life right now? Well, you know, I I think about that a lot now that, in 10 years, I mean, unless I moved to New York in 72 and by 77, 8, 9, uh, you know, uh, I had done Broadway. I'd sung with Meatloaf. I'm making this, this album. I've been on television. And at the time, it was it was great, but I, I don't think I was, like, slipping out. It was just, oh, okay. you know, I felt like, okay, this is, this is what I'm doing, and I deserve yeah. to be doing this. But when I yeah. look back, you know, wow, it, was, it all happened in a very quick, quick uh, succession. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah. Eddie. I mean, when I, I met Nick and Ian and, and was, well, it, what really happened was that this guy, uh, Steve Popovich, who, who put out the Meatloaf record, really, mm-hmm really championed me and, and signed me and, and, and made demos and this. So to be with somebody who's kind of a real whirlwind kind of personality and, and, and made all that happen, you mm, know? Cool. Yeah. Well, did you have to work any kind of a day job when you moved to New York or were you mostly, I, I mean, um, was there a moment where you were working retail, but you got discovered and got to quit your job or anything like no, that? No, 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 not exactly. I, oh, okay. Uh, I, I, I waited tables. 
somewhat. Okay. Like yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like most yeah. people. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. So now we got to talk about the clash. So when okay. does Nick Jones enter your life, and how? And everything I read about that relationship refers to it as tumultuous. Yeah, You'll well, have to fill us in. Okay, to some degree, you know. Yes, uh, to some degree. I met him in a, it was a very sort of romantic, meet cute kind of way. I was, I was, I went to London because I was going to perform there. And, but, and the night before I went to to the club to see it and he was there and, and it was, you know, it was a big spark and he came to my show. Mm-hmm. I remember we danced and he, you know, sat with me, mm-hmm. you know, uh, overnight I watched me sleep or something and I got on my bus and flew away and I went to Australia for <laughs> for a few weeks and then we met again in New York I mean it was it was it was extremely romantic Good. in the beginning uh-huh. yeah <laughs> okay yeah and, and, then, and it, then it kind of all all settled in and I you know uh, became sort of the the rock girlfriend which yeah. As I look back on it, was probably not my my favorite role, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, they produced that record, and yeah, know, I don't think it was really my record, you know. I've I wondered about that. No question, the Clash are one of the greatest bands of all time. I'm a huge mm-hmm. Clash fan, mm-hmm. but at that period, that where the Sandinista period was when they were getting so experimental. Some of this stuff was the most amazing thing you'd ever hear, and some of it was just kind of garbage. You know, it just you don't. Have well, to, I mean, you know, this I sound think... so critical. I'm not talking about your music. I'm talking about the, right. Sort of the they almost went too far. Sometimes it landed. Sometimes it didn't. You know. Well, I think I kind of respect what they did in that. You know, they totally. did a lot of stuff, and they, like you said, they experimented in a lot of in a lot of different areas, and. They didn't. They didn't care about really making it a cohesive thing or really editing in themselves. They just sort of yeah. said, "Okay, this is it," you know. But you know, like you said, historically, everybody's going to remember them as, as one of the all-time great bands. So yeah, yeah, that's all good. Yeah. Did you feel so when that you were saying that album doesn't seem like yours? Do you feel like they were kind of in that same sort of mind frame of experimentation? Yeah, and they I brought think, that to I yours. Think, you know, yeah. it was. It was. You know, here are these songs, you sing them. And the thing I always remember that it was so silly and that I would say, I can't, I want to sing in this key. And they're like, and they're like, what do you mean singing in a key? I've never heard of that, you know, because I guess they were just used, they were just used to like, okay, singing in Joe Summer's key and this is, this is what we do. Even when 
So, um, you know, obviously they had a, a very high level of sophistication mm-hmm. about some things, but, you know, I yeah. I was too caught up in the whole thing to really... Really? To really to really get my mind, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. To really let go, because cause I was... I, I There was a whole feeling that, like, Jim Steinman was the devil and Americans sucked and all this. So, oh, you know, really? so I, I bought it. I bought it. They persuaded you to start. Now, I love both, but they were persuading you that that sort of style or whatever was passe and that you should be going yes. in this new direction? Yeah, Oh, passe. interesting. Old-fashioned okay. old-fashioned was definitely a word. Not by okay. just, you know, Mick Jones. They, you know, that was bandied about a lot, you know. And sure. I was like, wow, this is a pretty cool world over here. Yeah. Maybe I'll just be a part of it, you know. Yeah. So I was. But so, okay. You know, I mean, my thing is that I never listened to any of this stuff. You know, I don't even know. I, I probably have have it on vinyl in my basement, you know. So if I went back and listened to it. <laughs> There's this girl who writes me all the time on Facebook. I mean, she's so great, and and she talks about how she feels that the spirit of St. Louis is is a room that she goes into, and how. Whoa. I mean, yeah. I mean, incredible. I'm like, whoa, man. You make me want to hear this record, but I. Yeah, good for you. Yeah. Okay. Pretty nice. Wow. um, Wow. Like I said, I haven't heard any of it. Okay. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's been a long time. Um, yeah. Were you noticing sort of cracks in the relationship between Mick and Joe at the time? Forgive me if I, I mean, I'm a huge, I love The Clash a lot. Yeah. If I, I don't want to dwell on it too long, but I mean, you had a, you had a perspective into an important band at an important time, and I'm wondering if you were seeing things like that. Yeah, they didn't well, last I much think, longer, you know? Yeah, they, I guess they didn't. I was out of the picture, what, by 81 or 82. I, yeah, I think that there was, there was always, you know, um, unrest that I think that probably exists in, in most bands. I mean, yeah, I was never okay. in a quote-unquote band per se, you know, I was always right. sort of the the front person, so it never felt like like that kind of thing. Yeah, I think, and I think their their philosophies and, and were very different. I think Joe was super bohemian yeah. kind of guy you know, an artist to his core, you know, and I think Mick Jones is an artist too, but I think, you know, he liked the idea of being a rock star and that kind of thing, but they were great collaborators, but you know, how many bands, you know, but you know, the Beatles broke up after years, you know, people people can, you know, collaborate musically, but that doesn't always mean that they want to be around each other, you know. Sure. Some things just aren't built to last. Yeah. So this might be too personal a question, but there's one of the, if you Google image Ellen Foley, one of the popular images that pops up all the time is you sort of looking very snugly, cuddly with Pete Townsend. And oh, I'm kind yeah, of, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. So yeah, I'm envisioning, was, no, I'm envisioning you being a lot of rock stars' girlfriends. And I don't mean that in a I don't mean that yeah, in a well, cheap way, but I mean like an amuse way. I mean, did you date Meatloaf? Did you date Pete? No, I met Pete Townsend once. He came to my gig. We were in New Haven, I think. Then they were playing, but then I was doing the club. He came later, and I think that look on my face is well, I like. I'm like, whoa, look at this, Pete Townsend. Oh, really? Like, hubba hubba. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Home. 
don't, 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 that don't get that, that started. No, no, okay. I like that picture, but that, that I met the guy once. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. He just looks so comfy. He looks like he's, you know, he looks like he's chatting you up. You're looking like you love it. Uh, <laughs> I just assume maybe you got, you know, you, yeah. you guys dated like for a while or something. Okay. No, 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 no. Okay. Did you have any other famous boyfriends? No. Oh, really? Uh-uh. Okay. No. Okay. I'm, th- okay. I'm sorry to burst your bubble, bubble that you think I'm some sort of super groupie or something. No, like no, 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 I'm sorry. I don't mean <laughs> it doesn't sound disrespectful. I just mean you were, like I said, you were in the middle of some very important musicians' right, lives. Right, right. I'm envisioning, you know, this was, a, this was the Studio 54 time, and this was the exactly. rock time, um, and the punk Envisioning I, no, I was, I was definitely there. I was in because I've gone to the theater, you know, because Studio 54 is now a theater where they do Broadway shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? So I've gone to that. I've, I've been, to, been there and to watching shows a few times, and you look around and you're like, okay. So up there mm-hmm. were the bleachers. That's where the stage were. Over there was, was the private room where everybody went to get blasted, you know. So, uh, yeah, yeah, looking around there is, is, is a little spooky. But, no, okay. I was always in the scene, you know, but I, I didn't – yeah, I had boyfriends, but, okay. but no other – Just regular, I think, nothing. Well, I, yeah, I can't – regular disasters, not famous disasters. <laughs> I kind of think that, that the experience, like I said, all of a sudden – you know, I was I was a big deal. I was, you know, after my first record, you know, I was a star here and there and the other thing. And then yeah. I, then I, then you, you get hitched up with somebody who's bigger than you, and you just yeah. become part of them. So that was yeah. not something I wanted to replicate. Yeah. Okay. You know. Okay. So the third album comes out, Another Breath, and Vinny Ponce is behind this one. Another big name. He's just coming off Kiss, and there are people associated with this album who probably were in their infancy then, Desmond Child, Glenn Ballard, these guys would go on to be, you know, legendary. Uh-huh. But forgive me if I if this is, you know, too critical or whatever, but, I mean, did those albums, any of them really have hits in the States that were played on the radio very often? I mean, I know that the uh, Night Out had the one we just, what did we talk about? I would we say, I would, I would say um, the Night Out record. By, by the time... You know, I I think Another Breath is a good record. I think, you know, because I, do I too. I wanted to make that record because it was so diametrically opposed from Spirit of St. Louis, who everybody was like, what the money yeah. is this, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, 
And I thought, oh, good, an, an American pop album. And But by then, the relationship with the record company, because it was not Cleveland International, but uh, Epic, Epic Records, that, that was the label, they mm-hmm. they weren't into it anymore. So it, I don't know. It was just kind of a yeah. a downward spiral. And, and, and after that, it's you know, I sort of wanted out. Uh, oh, of, you did too. Of, okay. Of making records at that point. So you were kind of done with trying to I be was. a pop star or whatever I by was that point. At that okay. Point. Yeah, I definitely was because. Okay. I felt you know that 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 third record. I remember you know being trying to really invest in that album and and myself calling up radio people you know and Vinnie mm-hmm. Fonsi's like oh I heard you're really out of control. I'm like out of control. Well, somebody's got to do it. Which is so yeah. funny when I when I look back at that that I was doing that, I'm kind of amazed because I am like the least self promoter, you know, at this point in time, the least self promoter in, in on the planet. Right. So yeah. to think back that I I but I because I wanted you know I I I wanted some control there. So okay. It, who were I don't know who were, that 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 third album I was kind of like well did that happen and I did not even yeah know. yeah. Just not into it anymore. Well, who were some of the bands? Were did did you go on big tours? Were you opening? Um, were you the headliner? Who were you the, going the out biggest, there with? The biggest tour in in America. I went. I opened for ELO. Oh, nice. Yeah, okay. it was you know big auditorium, so that that sure. was great. Good. That was fun. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Okay, I wondered. So now another breath comes out in '83. Shortly after that. You transitioned to Night Court. I mean, that's. I know you've done other acting things, but that to me right. today still is sort of the biggest, most top of mind credit that I remember. So, I, again, this is off your website, how you understand heartbreak now because you were replaced by Marky Post. Yeah. What What happened? What 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 was the deal? I don't know. I think that she had been like maybe their first choice or something. Uh, you know, okay. the, and. She didn't do it, and then they cast me, and I did a season, and then they dumped me and hired her. Yeah. So you know, I uh, you know I don't know you know heartbreak. You know I this kind of stuff I tend to get over. You know pretty yeah, quickly. Yeah. Okay. So I mean that was that, and you know because okay. I also didn't love being in LA. I you know you would do oh. you would do three shows, and then you'd have like a, a few days off, and every time I had a little time off, I'd fly back to New York. It just, it was, oh, it's really? just not my personality, not your, I don't think. Yeah, makes sense. Because I was so okay. alone. You can be, feel very alone out there. You know? I believe it. I believe yeah. it, yeah. So you're in, I mean, you're in some of the biggest movies of all time, smaller roles, but you're there. Yeah. You see Fatal Attraction. Married to the Mob is one of my favorite movies ever, Cocktail. Could be. Tootsie, of yes, course. I mentioned that one. Yes, Tootsie. But yeah. one thing now, you tell you tell me if I'm miscategorizing here. But I noticed that a lot of your higher profile acting credits stop or slow down around the time you got married. And yeah. I wondered if there was a connection between the two. Like now, it's like, well, I've married someone successful. We're going to create our own life together. I don't need to pursue the acting thing like I did before. No, the thing is, I had kids. You know? Oh, there you go. Okay. I had we got married and I had my son in 1990. Then I had had my other child in in 94, and that's why that happened. 
Okay. So <laughs> life became normal, right? Yeah. Because so I had never had to, that. I had never, yeah. I had never had a normal life, you know, and I sure. never had, you know, I met my husband, Doug, and, you know, he was a, re- you know, he's not a regular guy. I mean, he's a brilliant, talented person. He wasn't, you know, there wasn't the neuroses and the detached kind of thing going on, you know. Yeah. I was like, Oof. Oh, my yeah. God, give me some of this. And so I just, uh, yeah, I wasn't okay. somebody who was going to just ditch, you know. Yeah, yeah, didn't need to anymore. And okay. it's like what I said about auditioning, I, I I really think that the longer I didn't really put myself out there, the the less I wanted to do it, you know. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, understood. Okay. You know, what do you do now? I mean, you were mentioning that you're calling me from, uh, your home in the country. Uh, I, uh-huh. You guys must be doing fine. I mean, what, so how do you, one of the things that we focus on on the podcast as sensitively as we can is how artists pay their bills. And when they're not, when the limelight is kind of in the yeah. rear view mirror, you know, how does, how do they keep it going? And I'm curious, you know, you and your husband, how do you, you both had some success. How do you keep it going? He he makes the money, just to be perfectly honest. Okay. You know I mean? He started working with Mike Bloomberg when he became mayor in oh. what, 2002. And he just went in there to, do, you know, to write a few things. And then, you know, he really became sort of the, the creative director for the city of New York. All the events, all the oh, circle shows. He would work, you know, day to day. With the writers, had had an office in City Hall, but the thing, he, he wasn't a city uh, employee. He was paid directly by Mike Bloomberg. And okay. so now now he does a lot of work for the, the Bloomberg Foundation. I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's going to Mexico, the big C40 conference, and he was in, in Paris last year. He's, you know, he's, he's constantly doing events with the Bloomberg Foundation, and, okay. you know, he's also He's also hired by, you know, uh, like, you know, corporate gods to, you know, okay. when, they, when they need to be, to, their, their profile raised or, or coached Got it. Or, or, you know. Okay. Um, yeah, so he wrote he, a play so, too, right? Didn't he? Um, well, when I met him, he was, that's pretty much what he was doing. He was an actor. When I met him, he, he was in this review that he had written and he was in. So I met him. My friend saw him first as an actor, and he's like, "Got it, really okay. funny." I would say you don't want to be on stage with him because he's funnier than anybody on stage, you know. But okay. um, and then you know we got married, and I'm and he and I would say he and his his writing partner would sit in our our living room eating pizza and writing the Great American Musical, and I'm like, "No, no, no," and. Uh, <laughs> He started doing, like, corporate work and working for pharmaceutical companies, you know, which he hated, was horrible, you yeah. know. And then, actually, they, they wrote a uh, a musical called Gotham that we did, and I played a part, and it was fabulous. But, you know, yeah. then, he, then by, you know, like I said, by, by early, you know, in, in the 21st century, he, he really, you know, started working – in the Bloomberg world, and and I mean, the cool thing is there's no monotony about it. He's doing different Good. things all the time. That's great. You know. That's great. Good yeah. deal. Yeah. Cool. So you guys have made a great life for yourself. It sounds I like. I think so, so. Yeah. We that's have a, you excellent. Know, 
Cool. And we have two two great sons. Tim is 26. Henry is is 22. And you know they're they're both in New York. You know, so they they Good. haven't they haven't gone too far away from us yet. Good. Good so, deal. Yeah, wow. It is. I feel very, cool. very fortunate. I feel I mean I feel fortunate the fact that I, I had a really great career. But I'm not I mean, you know, I did this this album, what was it, three or three years ago? I'm a worried woman with a worried thing. Belgium twice in the last month doing festivals, and I, I did a tour over there, Belgium and Holland, two years ago. I'm going to go amazing. back. I'm going to go back in March. That's you know, great. it sounds like, but, but you know, it sounds like, why are you just in this one place? I'm like, well, it's kind of a niche, you know. This is I sure. met somebody over there who wants to promote me and and uh, and you know make that stuff happen. That's and, great. And I've also started recording. I want to do an album that's sort of like a song songbook album and I did two tracks so far I did I uh did two tracks in in Nashville with a producer named Fred Molan and we did Hello It's Me by Todd Rundgren and Boys Uh of Summer the Don Henley song oh excellent there you go fabulous tracks and I'm going to probably find a producer to work with in New York and keep keep building on it until we have uh have an album of all that kind of stuff songs that's very cool that I adore and, and one yeah. thing, you know. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I think that's real. I was listening to, we should establish for anyone who doesn't know that's listening, your album About Time uh, yeah. came out, um, yeah, like you were saying, I think three years ago, two, two three years ago. Yeah. It's more roots rock based, but still great, grittier, powerful stuff. But you can still, you still command an audience in certain parts of Europe. I think that's really fascinating. Definitely, yeah. You know, and I, I, I attribute it all to this guy, this, this Belgian guy named Luke Standart. He, he reached out from, to me, it must have been 2008, 2007, on Facebook, I mean, not Facebook, on MySpace. And he oh. Put, yeah, he was putting together this project called Song City, and he brought, like, people from all over for a week to do songwriting, and then it culminated in a concert. And oh, you know, cool. usually you're like, but I had a sense that this guy was legit. So he did that, mm-hmm. and then he's the one that sub- subsequently, you know, puts together 
stuff for me over there. And I have That's a great, great band over there. Good. Excellent musicians. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. Okay, i got to ask you about some of your collaborations that I especially like, okay? Uh-huh. First of all, one of my favorite albums ever is Joe Jackson's Body and Soul. Yeah. And you do you ha- are there any interesting stories around the the production or recording of that album? Is he a particularly interesting guy, good, bad, or indifferent? What's um, what I can gotta you tell, tell me you, about it? Was, it was kind of a dry experience. It was just one of those. You know, I I, I hate to to be disappointing in that I I don't really have any big okay. story on it. You know, just went in and and kind of did it. You know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of my. I, did you did you just record it and leave? I didn't. I don't know if you toured with him or if there was oh, any. Oh no, no, no! It was like I said. It was just. It was just. Uh, Iron a gun. Studio. Iron okay. gun. Exactly. Okay. Uh, and then lastly, we got to. I got it. You got to confirm. Was should I stay or should I go? Written about you. Hey, I'm not. I cannot either deny or confirm. I didn't write the song. <laughs> Have you been asked that a million times in your life? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like it's, it's you know, it's it. That's what people say. You want to hear something really crazy? Is that like the the kind of ass cap thing? It's called T not T C P. That can't be right. But it's something. It's in England, and I get a royalty for that song because this is the way they. A guy said he read on like Wikipedia or whatever that it was about me, the guy who's in charge of hanging out. So uh, I get sent money for that song. You make a royalty on should I stay or should I go? Just because <laughs> I, there's a rumor that it's about you? Yeah. The guy, it's, it's, not, it's like BMI or FCAP, whoever over there pays, pays royalty. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that what? crazy? I think I think it's what I deserve for all the pain and suffering I endured. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That Great is crazy. Because that. that song is still everywhere, and That's I was just right. thinking, like, I mean, no offense to you, but I'm thinking, what if if I were Mick Jones, I wouldn't let some old girlfriend that didn't write the song get a piece of my action. But it sounds I like did, you, you I know. It. If he knows, that must really piss him off, and that makes me even more happy. Oh, that's so good. That is great. (laughs) Oh, great. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much for talking to me, Ellen. This meant a lot to me. I've been fascinated by you for 30 years, and I've always wondered what your story was. I'm just a regular gal. Uh, You are, and that's what's kind of cool about this, honestly. 
is you're a really unaffected, down-to-earth woman, and I really liked it. Thank you for being you. My pleasure, John. Thank you for being you. There you have it, Ellen Foley. I know I say this about most of our guests, but wouldn't you love to know what memories are just floating and swarming around in her head? The things she's seen, the people she's worked with. I always think, too, that women probably have more interesting memories even than men do because they're privy to the bad behavior that men often project in front of women. And so I've yet to have any female guests, you know, open up about that stuff but i just get the feeling that that's all tucked away back there as well that they've just seen some crazy crazy things she actually reunited we didn't get into it but she actually reunited recently with meatloaf again she's singing as well as carla devito and some of the other people who worked on that bat of the hell album they all come back together for meatloaf's new album braver than we are really interesting I want to close it out with a song that she sang on. This is Hitsville, UK. It's by The Clash, and it's on their Sandinista album. That's her singing in the background. Again, just imagine what she's seen and done. All right, everybody, here's the business part. If this is your first time listening to us, welcome. We tell these stories every week. We try to tell the stories that don't get told as often of the artists that deserve more attention, and we want to hear their best stories. We want to know about the ups and downs, the impact of rock stardom on their lives, all those kinds of things. You can go into iTunes, you can subscribe to the podcast, and you can write us a review right there if you want. You can also communicate with me on Facebook. You can like our page. You can stay up to date with us that way. You can also send me an email if you want at thehustlepod at gmail.com. Or I've kind of slowed down on Twitter. I, I don't really get it. But if you want to message me on there, by all means, please do. It's at the Hustle Pod. Huge thanks, as always, to Yan the Man Makevich for producing and putting together this episode. Thank you, Yan. Not to take anything away from Ellen, but next week we have one of our biggest guests yet. So I hope everyone who's listening will come back next week and find out who that person is. We'll talk to you all later. Bye-bye.